Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati amalina min yahdihillahu falamudilla lah wa min yudlil falahadiya lah wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lah وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله. Verily the praise belongs to Allah. We praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead Him astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. No, but... This evening, Ta'ala, we'd like to continue with the explanation of the essay of Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Nawaqid al-Islam. Those things which nullify someone's Islam. Those things which nullify a person's Islam. In the first lecture of this series, last week, we have made some introductory comments concerning the biography of the author, Rahimahullah, as well as some basic definitions. And we have discussed two very, very important issues which are essential uh, to be understood in before we go into this topic so that no one will misunderstand what should be one's position if they find someone saying or doing that which nullifies their Islam. And we have said in that lecture, in the introductory presentation, that there is a difference between the ruling that a certain action or a certain speech is an act or a word of kufr. There is a difference between ruling that a certain action is kufr or shirk and declaring or ruling that the person who has done it is a kafir or a mushrik. There is a difference. Not everyone who does an act of kufr or shirk is a kafir or a mushrik because there are certain considerations that have to be observed before that person would be considered as having gone out of Islam due to their action or due to their speech. We said that there are certain conditions that should be fulfilled and there are certain mawania or prohibitive factors that have to be absent before someone uh, would be ruled as going out of Islam due to something that they have said or that they have done. And the most important of those things is what we refer to as uh, 
Al-Udr bil-Jahl, and we discussed this point in detail, that the excuse of someone due to ignorance, and we said that this is not an absolute principle, that someone's ignorance automatically excuses them for their action. However, it is a consideration that has to be looked at before a ruling would be made. Is a person aware that what they have done or what they have said is actually kufr or shirk? Are they aware of the consequences of their speech or their action? Did they do it knowingly? Did they do it willingly or under compulsion and so on? So we talked about these issues previously in the introductory lecture and those things should be kept in mind. As we mentioned, these nawaqid or these nullifiers which a Muslim is expected to avoid at all costs. Uh, let us begin first by offering one of the definitions that has be given, been given for the word uh, naqid or nawaqid. Nawaqid is the plural of naqid. And according to Lisan al-Arab, the classical Arabic dictionary, Ibn Manzur, rahimahullah, says that al-naqt, it is ifsad ma abramta min aqdin aw binain. Yani it is the nullification or the violation or the destruction of that which someone, the action that someone has done, whether it is an aqd, a contract that they have made, breaking that contract, or a building that they have built, destroying that building after building it. In the other important and famous book of Arabic language, Al-Sihah, the author has mentioned the definition of naqd, he said, naqada al-bina'a wal-habla wal-aqda. Yani al-naqd, it means to destroy the building that has been built or the rope that has been twined or the contract or agreement that has been made. Some of the scholars said the nawaqid of Islam, keeping this linguistic definition in mind, it means those things which invalidate or violate or nullify whenever they enter upon one's Islam. They violate the Islam. Yani they nullify the action of the one who has done who has done it. Yani they nullify the deeds of that person who commits a nullifier, who commits a naqid from the nawaqid of Islam, and that person becomes one of those who is destined to be punished in the hellfire eternally. Yani the nawaqid of Islam are those things which nullify, invalidate one's Islam, destroy one's deeds, whatever they have done is destroyed by it, and that person, if they die in that condition without repenting, they would be destined for punishment in the hellfire forever. Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he begins this essay, Al-Naqid Al-Awwal, the first nullifier. Min nawaqid al-Islam, from the nullifiers of Islam. He said, Rahimahullah, al-awwal al-shirk fi ibadatillah. Yani the first nullifier, it is shirk in the worship of Allah. Associating something as a partner with Allah in the worship that belongs to Allah alone. Then he mentioned as evidence for, for this nullifier, he said the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Inna Allah la yaghfir ay yushraka bihi. وَيَغْفِرْ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكْ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ 
that Allah, verily, Allah does not forgive that shirk should be made with him, that anyone should be associated with him as an equal or a partner. But he forgives whatever is less than that, less than shirk, to whomever he wills. Allah doesn't forgive shirk. If a person dies on shirk without repenting, Allah doesn't forgive it. But whatever is less than that, Allah forgives it to whomever he wills. If a person dies committing murder, if they died committing adultery, whatever, and they have not repented from it, Allah might forgive them if he wills. Everything less than shirk, Allah may forgive it if he wills or he may punish that person justly. Then he continues in this ayat, وَمَن يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ افْتَرَى إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا That whoever worships something with Allah, then he has invented a tremendous sin. And in another ayat similar to this, the same beginning of the ayat that Allah doesn't forgive, that shirk should be done with him, but he forgives whatever is less than that to whomever he wills. He said, وَمَن يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ ضَلَّ ضَلَالًا بَعِيدًا That whoever makes shirk with Allah, then that person has gone far astray. He also mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Ma'idah chapter 5, verse 72. Uh, and by the way, the previous two ayats, they are from Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, verse 48, and chapter 4, verse 116. In this ayat in Surah Al-Ma'idah, he said, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ That verily, whoever makes shirk with Allah, فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ Then Allah has made forbidden for him the jannah. Allah has made it forbidden that that person who dies on shirk, that he can enter the paradise. Allah has made it haram. He can never enter the paradise. فَقَدْ حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَأْوَاهُ النَّارِ وَمَا لِلظَّالِمِينَ مِنْ أَنصَارِ And his final abode, his final destination, it is the hellfire. And there are no helpers. There will be no helpers for the ظالمون. يعني for those who... Do injustice, the wrongdoers. Here as zulm, it means a shirk. That there will be no one to help the one who has committed shirk and didn't repent on it and died on it. Whoever makes shirk with Allah, Allah is forbidden that they enter the Jannah. And their final abode will be the fire and there will be no helpers for those ظالمين. يعني the mushrikeen. Then Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he said after mentioning these verses, وَمِنْهُ الذَّبْحُ لِغَيْرِ اللَّهِ كَمَنْ يَذْبَحُ لِلْجِنِّ أَوْ لِلْقَبْرِ And he said from amongst that which is considered as shirk, from among those things that is shirk, he gave the example of the one who makes a zabh, a sacrifice for other than Allah, who offers a sacrifice to other than Allah, like those who offer sacrifices to the jinn or those who act, offer sacrifices to the grave, yani to those who are buried in the grave. In the explanation of this first nullifier, and we have taken this explanation from a number of books by various scholars who have discussed the nawaqid of Islam, and here we understand that the Shaykh, rahimahullah, al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, he has begun with a shirk, from among the ten nullifiers which he has mentioned, since it is the most dangerous of the things which nullify Islam. Yani here, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, he has mentioned ten nullifiers of Islam. The nullifiers of Islam are more than ten. However, he has mentioned ten. 
And he has begun with this one, a shirk, because it is the most dangerous of all of those things that nullify Islam. It is the greatest sin that anyone can commit, the greatest disobedience of Allah. And it destroys the rububiyyah, one's tawheed in rububiyyah. And it causes a defect in the uluhiyyah, in the divinity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When somebody considers that there is something or someone other than Allah that is also divine. And this shirk, he said, it is to make someone other than Allah equal with Allah in that which is particular or peculiar or exclusive for Allah alone. How could shirk not be the most severe of all acts of disobedience to Allah? How could it not be so when someone sets up someone or something as a partner with Allah in the worship that belongs to him alone? How can it not be so severe when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought us into existence, he has created us and provided for us, and given us all of the bounties that we enjoy in this world, and then something or someone is set up as an equal, taking that worship which belongs to him alone. He is the one who has brought us, brought us about, created us from nothing, and provided for us with the bounties which we enjoy in this world. It is for this reason that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has repeatedly warned us about it in the Qur'an. How many places in the Qur'an Allah has warned against shirk? And he has criticized the people of shirk. And he has mentioned their final end, that is, an-nar, the hellfire. The mention of shirk in the Qur'an and the derivatives of the word shirk have been repeated in the Qur'an more than 160 times, showing that it is repeated over and over and over again in order that one will not miss the point of the danger of a shirk Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, in the verse from Surah An-Nisa that we have read previously, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَيُّشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ افْتَرَى إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا Whoever commits shirk according to this verse, they have indeed invented a tremendous sin. They have committed something that is azim, ifman azima, a great terrible sin. And likewise in Surah Al-Ma'idah, chapter 5, verse 72, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after mentioning the shirk of the people of the book, he said, إِنَّهُ مَنْ يُشْرِكْ فقد حرم الله عليه الجنة ومأواه النار وما للظالمين من أنصار. That whoever sets up partners in the worship of Allah, then Allah has forbidden for him the paradise, and his final abode will be the hellfire, and there will be no helpers for the wrongdoers, the ظالمون, that is the مشركون. In another verse, Allah سبحانه وتعالى says in chapter 22, verse 30. And 31, فاجتنبوا رجس من الأوثان واجتنبوا قول الزور. That you should avoid the rich, the abomination. يعني the scholars of Tafsir said here it means shirk, the rich من الأوثان. يعني the shirk of the idols. One should avoid it, and one should also avoid false speech. حُنَفَاءَ لِلَّهِ غَيْرَ مُشْرِكِينَ بِهِ That one should be 
from the Hunafa, those who established the Tawheed, who incline towards the worship of Allah alone and turn away from the worship of other than Allah. غَيْرُ مُشْرِكِينَ Not of those who make shirk with Allah. وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَكَأَنَّمَا خَرَّ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ The one who makes shirk, it is as though. The one who makes shirk, it is as though that person has fallen out of the sky, has fallen from the sky. فَتَخْطَفُهُ الطَّيْرِ And the birds snatch him up. أَوْ تَحْوِي بِهِ الرِّيحِ Or the wind throws him or blows him away فِي مَكَانٍ سَحِيقٍ In a far off way. This is the end of those who make shirk with Allah. When the pagan disbelievers, the grave worshippers, and others see the fire, they will say to their false gods, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Shu'ara, chapter 26, verses 97 and 98, in kunna lafi dalalin mubin by Allah, tallahi, in kunna lafi dalalim mubeen. Indeed, we were definitely far astray. Ith nusawwikum bi rabbil alameen. When we made you equal with the Lord of the world. How could they make idols, false gods, anything in the creation equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of all the worlds? On that day when the fire is in front of them, they will see their error. And they will see that they were far astray when they committed shirk with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Indeed, the pagans of today, whether from amongst the Ahl Kitab, or whether from amongst those who consider themselves from the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, don't realize the seriousness of their action and don't see the clear error that they are in. But on Yawm Qiyamah they will see when the punishment of Allah is in front of them. These pagan disbelievers mentioned in this ayat who made their idols and their false gods equal with Allah, they did not hold their false gods as equals with Allah in the acts of creation. They didn't think that those idols created anything. Nor did they think that those idols were providing for them, nor controlling life and death. But they held them as equals with Allah in al-mahabba. Yani they loved those idols with the love that was the right of Allah alone. And this love, al-mahabba, it is the core and the essence of ibadah. And likewise, al-ta'zim, they used to aggrandize them, exalt them, glorify them, and respect them with the respect and glorification that belongs to Allah alone. And these are from the ways, al-mahabba and ta'zim, love of Allah and glorification of Allah, these are the best of ways of getting near to Allah and they use them to get near to their false idols. For this reason, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blamed those who do not respect Him, who do not rever Him, and who do not hope for His reward and fear His punishment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Nuh, chapter 71, verse 13, مَا لَكُمْ لَا تَرْجُونَ لِلَّهِ وَقَارًا What is the matter with you? Yani, what is the situation with those people who do not fear Allah, who do not fear Allah's punishment, nor do they have hope for the reward from Allah? What is wrong with them that they don't have fear of Allah's punishment, nor do they have hope in Allah's reward? Yani, they fear from their idols, and they have hope in their idols instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A shirk, as a, according to some of the scholars, a shirk, it has been defined 
in this way huwa an yuj'ala ma'allahi sharikan it is to make a partner with Allah sawa'an kana al-rububiyyah aw al-uluhiyyah it is the same whether it is in al-rububiyyah in the lordship of Allah or in uluhiyyah the divinity of Allah whoever has made a partner with Allah whether in rububiyyah that he yani that they share with him in creation or in controlling the matters of the universe or in providing for the creatures in this world or whether it is in uluhiyyah or ubudiyyah it is the same whoever makes a partner with Allah in these things then this is shirk illa annahu yukthar itlaquhu ala shirk fil uluhiyyah except that it is more commonly used shirk is more commonly used in reference to shirk in uluhiyyah or in ubudiyyah yani in the divinity of Allah shirk in the divinity of Allah or in Allah's right of worship making anyone equal to Allah in that which is the right of Allah alone this is shirk shirk may divide may be divided according to most of the scholars into two types the two major divisions of shirk is a shirk al akbar and a shirk al asghar and some scholars uh, considered shirk al khafi inconspicuous or hidden shirk as also a third type and some have included shirk al khafi as a part of either of the major types major shirk or minor shirk a shirk al akbar major shirk is that which removes a person from the deen of allah it removes a person from islam the one who commits major shirk if he meets allah on the day of judgment and he has not repented from it then he will be assigned to the hellfire eternally yani the person who dies committing major shirk and therefore it is important to know what is the difference between major and minor shirk because it is major shirk which takes a person out of islam and the one who dies without repenting from it is destined to the hellfire eternally allah does not forgive major shirk unless the person repents from it before his death this is major shirk the one that removes a person from islam the one that will not be forgiven if a person doesn't repent from it as shirk al akbar also has been divided into two types one that which is related to allah's divine being and the other that which is related to the worship of allah the acts of ibadah yani shirk in the divine being it means that someone or something is considered as divine along with allah and shirk in the acts of ibadah it means that someone or something is worshiped is is offered acts of worship instead of allah al-imam al-qurtubi rahimahullah the great scholar of tafsir he said the origin or the asl of the forbidden shirk the shirk he means here major shirk is the belief that allah has a partner in his divinity that there is something that is divine along with allah this is the greatest type of shirk it is the shirk of jahiliya they used to think that there is something divine something that has a right to be worshiped along with allah next in terms of severity al-imam al-qurtubi said is the belief that someone or something exists which shares with allah the independent ability to do whatever it wants to do yani that someone or something can act and do whatever they want to do their will is independent and their power is independent of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is like the one who says that there is something other than allah which can bring things into existence 
even if he doesn't believe that this person or thing is a god. And here Imam Al-Qurtubi is making a distinction between the shirk of those who believe that what they worship is divine like Allah and the shirk which is also major shirk of those who believe that that thing it is independent in its acting it can do what it wants to do independent of Allah even if they don't think that that thing is a God even if they don't say that that thing is divine with Allah but just the idea, the belief that something can act independent of Allah this is also major shirk which takes a person out of Islam the first of these types of shirk is that which is related yani major shirk here the first of these two types of shirk is that which is related to Allah's divine being yani shirk in ilahiya or uluhiya this can also this shirk in the divine being can also be divided into two types shirk al-ta'atil or shirk al-nafi negation of the divinity of Allah yani affirming divinity to other than Allah and negating Allah's divinity claiming that Allah is not divine and Allah is not the divine being but something or someone other than Allah is the divine being and this is like Pharaoh, Fir'aun's claim to be a god yani he claimed that he is the god not that he is a god along with Allah but he is the only one that is divine and the only one that should be worshipped this is Ta'atil it is nafi, negating divinity from Allah and affirming it for other than Allah. The second type is affirmation. Yani isbat, affirmation of divinity for other than Allah without den denying Allah's divine names or His divine characteristics or His rububiyyah, His lordship or otherwise. An example of this is the claim of the Christians that Jesus, Isa salam, is divine and that He is one of the three gods of the Trinity. The Christians don't claim or they don't deny Allah's divinity but their claim is the affirmation of divinity for something other than Allah along with Allah and this is the same as the claim of the Yahud, the Jews of the divinity of Uzay uh, they, they claim that he is divine along with Allah without denying the divinity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is both of these negation of Allah's divinity as well as affirmation of divinity for other than Allah without denying Allah's divinity both of these are from the major shirk related to Allah's divine being al-uluhiya or al-ilahiya the second of the types of major shirk it is the shirk in ibadah or in ubudiyah shirk in the worship of Allah shirk related to that which is offered to other than Allah it is to set up something as an equal with Allah something which you offer acts of worship to in the same way that you offer acts of worship to Allah whoever offers supplication or has hope or fear whoever makes sacrifice to other than Allah in the same way the sacrifices are made to Allah alone this is shirk major shirk in ubudiyah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Yunus chapter 10 verse 18 وَيَعْبُدُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ مَا لَا يَضُرُّهُمْ وَلَا يَنْفَعُهُمْ Yani that they worship besides Allah, other than Allah. They worship those things which cannot harm them, nor can they benefit or profit them. وَيَقُولُونَ هَؤُلَاءِ شُفَعَاؤُنَا That these are our intercessors عند Allah, with Allah. 
Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to them, قُلْ أَتُنَبِّعُونَ اللَّهَ بِمَا لَا يَعْلَمُ فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَ عَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ Do you inform Allah of that which He knows not in the heavens or on the earth? Subhanallah. Yani this is the declaration of Allah's uh, perfection, that Allah is free of imperfection and He is most high. Subhanallah wa ta'ala amma yushrikun. He is exalted high above that which they associate with Him as partners. Yani how can they worship that which neither can cause harm nor can it give benefit? Allah is the only one that can cause harm. And Allah is the only one that can benefit. And the idols and false gods, all of them, they have no claim in the ability to harm unless Allah wills or to benefit unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills. This type of shirk which is related to the worship of Allah also might be divided into different types. There are many types of major shirk in this area of ibadah, offering any act of worship to other than Allah. However, some of the scholars have said that there are major divisions of this shirk in ibadah and they have mentioned four types. That they are the primary types of major shirk in ibadah. The first of them is shirk ad-du'a. Shirk in supplication. It is when someone directs his supplications to other than Allah while it is known that supplication is a form of worship. And his supplication is ibadah. In that case, whoever offers dua, who supplicates other than Allah, then this is a primary, major type of shirk akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Jinn, chapter 72, verse 18, And the masjids, the places of worship, are for Allah alone. So do not supplicate. فَلَا It is prohibited. Do not supplicate along with Allah anyone. Don't supplicate to anyone along with Allah because it is ibadah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also said in Surah Al-Ankabut, chapter 29, verse 65, that when they embark on a ship, on the sea, and when the storms came and the people were frightened and feared that they would not uh, return safely, he said, Then they supplicate to Allah, making their faith, making their deen purely for Him alone. Supplicating to Allah alone and not calling on anyone besides Him. But when He brings them safely to land, when He saves them and brings them back to land, then suddenly, إِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ Suddenly, they begin to share the worship that belongs to Allah alone, and they begin to call on and to offer acts of worship to others besides Him. It has been said that the pagans of today, and this is one of the quotations from uh, Al-Qawaid Al-Arba'ah, the four principles that Al-Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab has written in another essay, and he said that it has been said that the pagans of today are deeper in their shirk than the earlier pagans. Yani the disbelievers and pagans today are worse than the pagans in the time of the Prophet ﷺ or in the earlier days. And this is because the earlier pagans used to associate others in the worship of Allah only in times of ease. When things were going well, they used to commit shirk. However, in times of distress, 
and difficulty, they would call on Allah alone. As for the pagans of our time, they associating others with Allah is perpetual in times of ease as well as in times of distress. We find that the pagans today, whether things are going well or things are going bad, in time of ease as well as in difficulty, they are worshipping other than Allah on every occasion. Whereas the early pagans in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, they used to offer worship of Allah alone only in time of distress. Whereas in other times they didn't make any shirk. The second major type of shirk in ibadah, it is shirk and niyyah. It is when someone intends or desires by his or her deeds to seek the pleasure or approval of someone other than Allah. This intention alone, yani that they are doing something for approval or for some benefit or some reward or earning the pleasure of anyone other than Allah, the intention, this intention alone, it is sufficient to invalidate one's deeds and nullify its reward. From the proofs of this is the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Tuhud, chapter 11, verse 15 and 16, مَنْ كَانَ يُرِيدُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا نُوَفِّ إِلَيْهِمْ أَعْمَالَهُمْ فِيهَا وَهُمْ فِيهَا لَيُبْخَصُونَ that whoever desires the life of this world, man kana yuridu hayatul dunya, yani their intention is to seek the things of this world and the attraction of this world, then we will give them their wages, we will pay them in full for their deeds in this world and they will have no loss therein. Yani they will not be denied anything for what they have done in this world. He said, وَحَبِطَ مَا صَنَعُوا فِيهَا وَبَاطِلٌ مَا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ That these are, the, are those who they will not have anything in the next life except a nar. The only thing for them in the next life will be the fire. Their deeds are useless. They are vain. What they have done in this world is in vain. And it will, there will be no effect. There will be no benefit from what they used to do. And if they will not get any reward in the next life, they will only get the punishment of Allah. Al-Allama ibn Qayyim, rahimahullah, the great student of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he said, as for the shirk committed by someone in al-irada, wa yani the will or intention, sharing with Allah in one's intention or in one's will, yani willing to do something or intending to do something for other than Allah. He said, it is a sea which has no shore, yani there is no end to it. This kind of shirk, it is plenty, there is no end to it. Few are those who are saved from it. Few are those who are saved from it. Whoever wanted from his deeds, other than the face of Allah, other than the pleasure of Allah, other than the reward of Allah, and he intended something other than getting near to Allah and seeking his reward, then he has surely committed shirk in al-irada and shirk in the niyyah, in will and intentions. Yani whoever does some deed that should be for the pleasure of Allah alone, but they have in their heart some intention or some desire, other than getting near to Allah and seeking His reward, yani something else is behind it, even if it is shared with hoping for the reward of Allah and hoping for the reward of the pleasure of other than Allah, then this is a type of shirk. It is shirk in niyyah, and it invalidates one's deeds, 
and it destroys the reward that they could have gotten for that deed if it was done purely for the sake of Allah alone. The classification of shirk in intentions as a major shirk is understood to be applicable to the case of one whose deeds as a whole are done seeking other than the pleasure of Allah the Most High. Yani whose deeds generally are done seeking other than the pleasure of Allah. As for the one who fell into a riyah, doing a deed to be seen by others, unexpectedly and unintentionally his case is classified under minor shirk and this will be discussed later. Yani the person who generally does their deeds for the sake of Allah but on occasion, unexpectedly or unintentionally, while they were doing some act of worship, people came or someone came to know about it and their intention was corrupted at that moment in seeking to impress those people or to earn their pleasure or reward from them, then this is a riyah, doing something to be seen by others or to be heard by others or to get some reputation from what one has done. If that is something that is occasional and it happened, unexpectedly or unintentionally, this is, comes under the category of minor shirk. The third type or the third major category of shirk in ibadah is shirk al-ta'a, yani shirk in obedience. It is when someone doesn't act in obedience to any human authority, whether it is the ruler or the leader or the teacher or parents or otherwise, while knowing that this act is in disobedience to Allah. Whoever obeys any authority, while knowing that obedience to that human being, whether it is the ruler or their parents or whoever, if they know that obeying that person is disobedience to Allah, this is shirk and far. Because there is no obedience to the created beings in disobedience to Allah. As the Prophet ﷺ said in the authentic hadith. An example of this mentioned in the Qur'an is the obedience of the Jews and the Christians to the rabbis and the monks in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says concerning this in Surah At-Tawbah chapter 9 verse 31, أَحْبَارَهُمْ وَرُحْبَانَهُمْ أَرْبَابًا مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ وَالْمَصِيحَ بْنَ مَرْيَمْ وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا إِلَاهًا وَاحِدًا La ilaha illa huwa subhanahu amma yushrikun. That they used to take, ittakhadu ahbarahum wa ruhbanahum. They used to take their rabbis, that is the Christians and the Jews. They used to take their rabbis and their monks as lords besides Allah. Arbaban min dunillah. As lords besides Allah, obeying them in the things that they made as lawful or unlawful according to their own desires without being ordered by Allah. And they also took as their Lord the Messiah, the Masih, Ibn Maryam, the son of Maryam, السلام, while they were commanded to worship none but the one Allah. None has the right to be worshipped except Him. Subhanahu amma yushrikun. Yani he is high above and removed yani from that which they associate as partners with Him. This verse is explained and made more clear by the hadith of Adi ibn Hatim radiallahu anhu who reported that he heard the Prophet ﷺ reciting this verse concerning the Jews and Christians taking their monks and their rabbis as lords besides Allah arbaban min dunillah Adi ibn Hatim he used to be a Christian 
And he understood that this ayat was revealed, meaning that they used to worship their rabbis and their monks. When he heard this verse being recited, he said, he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said that we do not worship them. Yani we didn't uh, pray to them or bow down to them. We didn't offer any acts of worship to our monks, to our rab to the, the, the priest class the, of the Christians. And he meaning both Christians and Jews, he understood that they didn't used to worship them, the rabbis and the monks. And the Prophet ﷺ asked him, did you used to make what Allah has made lawful? Did, did they used to make what Allah has made lawful as unlawful? Yani what Allah has made halal, didn't they make it unlawful? And then you accepted it as unlawful? And didn't they used to make lawful what Allah has made haram? And they declared it to be lawful, and then you accepted it as being lawful? He said, this is the worship of them. This is your worshiping of, worshiping of them. It means that obeying them in what Allah has made lawful, considering that thing as unlawful, or what Allah has made unlawful, and then they have made it lawful, and you consider it as lawful, accepting their legislation, obe obeying them in disobedience to Allah. He said, this is the worship of them that is mentioned in this ayat, and this is the clearest proof that a ta'a obeying any human authority in disobedience to Allah, it is shirk. It is the same shirk of the Christians and Jews. They are mushrikeen. This is the same shirk of the Christians and Jews. And this hadith is reported in the Sunan of Tirmidhi, and there is some weakness in the chain of narrators, and likewise in the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. And it has also been reported by Al-Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari in his tafsir, Mawqufan, يعني attributed to Adi رضي الله عنه instead of to the Prophet which perhaps raises it to a degree of acceptability as Hassan لغيره insha'Allah. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah said concerning this matter of obedience to the authority in disobedience to Allah. He said, and this is a very important point, those who took their rabbis and monks as lords besides Allah, due to their accepting, they're making lawful what Allah has made unlawful by Allah, and accepting as unlawful what Allah has made lawful. He said these are two categories. Not everyone who obeys the authority in accepting something as lawful or unlawful, in, cont in contradiction to what Allah has made lawful or unlawful, not every one of them is the same. There is a difference. And for this reason, this note is of utmost importance so that no one imagines that everyone who obeys the human authority in disobedience to Allah is a mushrik. Shaykh al-Sallam said that there are two groups, two categories. The first of them are those who know that the rabbis and monks have changed the religion of Allah. Yet they follow them in accordance with the changes that they have made. And they believe in the lawfulness of what Allah has made unlawful and the unlawfulness of what Allah has made lawful as a result of following their leaders, even though they know that their leaders have contradicted the religion of the prophets. This is in fact disbelief, kufr. Yani they follow them and they believe in what they have made lawful and unlawful, even though they know it contradicts the deen of Allah. Allah and His Messenger have declared this to be shirk, even if they don't pray to them 
and even if they don't prostrate to them. Therefore, whoever follows someone else in contradiction to the religion of truth, while no this is required and it is necessary and it is expected to have love of Allah. However, this alone in and of itself is not sufficient to be saved from the punishment of Allah, nor is it a guarantee that one would achieve his reward. Because even some of the mushrikun, worshippers of the cross, the Christians and Jews and others, love Allah to a certain extent in their own deviated way. Even some of them, they love Allah. Loving Allah is not sufficient, but it is required. He said the second type of love, it is mahabbatu ma yuhibbullah. Yani loving that which Allah loves. Loving, not only loving Allah, but loving whatever Allah loves. This is what causes someone to truly enter Islam and remove him from disbelief. Indeed, the most beloved people to Allah are those who are most correct in this love and those who are most strict in this love. Yani not only loving Allah, but loving whatever Allah loves. This is a asl from the usul of the deen, loving for the sake of Allah, loving whatever Allah loves and hating what Allah hates. The third type of mahabba, it is al-hub. لِلَّهِ وَفِيهِ يعني love for the sake of Allah and love in the way of Allah love for the sake of Allah and love in the way of Allah this type of love is one of the inseparable attributes of loving that which Allah loves يعني one of the characteristics of those who love what Allah loves is that they love for the sake of Allah that they love for the sake of Allah and they love in the way of Allah. So that a person should love Allah. And they should love what Allah loves. And that love should be for the sake of Allah. It should be in the way of Allah. The love of that which Allah loves cannot be correct unless it is for the sake of Allah. And whoever loves Allah and loves what Allah loves, it will not be accepted unless that love is for the sake of Allah. And if they love Allah, and they love what Allah loves for Allah's sake, not because it is something pleasing to them or for some other reason. The fourth type of mahabba, it is the love of the mushrikeen, al-mahabba ma'Allah, loving something along with Allah, and this is the love of the polytheist, the love of the mushrikeen. Everyone who loves something along with Allah, not for Allah, nor for the sake of Allah, nor in the way of Allah, Whoever loves something along with Allah, but not for the sake of Allah, nor in the way of Allah, then he has taken something less than Allah as a rival or equal to him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this type of mahabba is the mahabba of the mushrikeen, the pagan disbelievers. And who loved something other than Allah. And they didn't love it because Allah loves it. And they didn't love it for the sake of Allah and the way of Allah, but they made it as something as an equal or a rival, along with Allah, sharing in the love that belongs to Him alone. These are the main four types of major shirk. Yani, the shirk in niyyah, and the shirk in dua, and the shirk in ta'a, and the shirk in mahabba. All of them remove one from the fold of Islam, since they are all acts of worship, and directing any act of worship to other than Allah is shirk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, وَمَنْ يَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَاهًا آخَرٍ لَا بُرْحَانَ لَهُ بِهِ فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ إِنَّهُ لَا يُفْلِحُ الْكَافِرُونَ
that whoever supplicates or calls on or any type of worship that he offers along with Allah, whoever supplicates someone or something along with Allah, any other God along with Allah, for which there is no proof, there is no burhan for him to worship or supplicate or call on something other than Allah, then his accounting, his hisab, his reckoning is only with his Lord. Indeed, the disbelievers, they will not be successful. Yani those who call upon or offer worship to other than Allah. Allah called them kafirun. Yani, innahu la yuflihu al-kafirun. Yani, whoever calls on something along with Allah, he said that they are disbelievers. He said, indeed, the disbelievers will not be successful. And he called them disbelievers due to their supplicating others along with him. And today we find amongst the people in the Muslim lands that supplication, dua, is being offered to other than Allah as a common insignificant act. Indeed, whoever supplicates along with Allah has fallen into the kufr and the shirk that takes a person out of Islam. And it is, it would never be forgiven if they don't repent from it in this life. Also included in major shirk are many other acts, and as the author has mentioned, as dhab, sacrifice, another vowing, al-isti'adha, seeking refuge, al-isti'adha, seeking help in distress, and so on. All of these are acts of worship, and it is not permissible to offer any act of worship, whether small or great, to other than Allah. Uh, uh, quickly, the second type of shirk, and it is the lesser of the two yani major divisions of shirk, shirk akbar and shirk asghar. Al-shirk al-asghar minor shirk. This type of shirk does not remove the one who commits it from Islam. Nor does it negate the roots of tawheed. However, it does negate the perfection of one's tawheed and causes the one who commits it when he meets Allah on the day of judgment to be subject to the will of Allah. He will be subject to the will of Allah. If Allah wills, he may pardon him, and if not, then he will punish him for his act of shirk. Shirk asghar, it doesn't take a person out of Islam. It doesn't totally nullify one's tawheed. However, it, it affects the perfection of tawheed, and if a person dies without repenting from it, he will be tahta mashiyatillah. On yawm qiyamah, Allah may punish him if he wills, or Allah may forgive him if he wills. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, said concerning minor shirk, he said, it is like the minor acts of ostentation, yani minor acts of showing off, doing something to gain rewards from others, or not having sincerity for Allah in one's acts of worship, sometimes doing something for himself, and another time for some worldly benefit, and yet another time seeking status or position among the people. Some portion of his deeds is for himself, and some portion is for others. Following this shirk is the shirk in the use of certain expressions. Yani after shirk, ar-riyah, yani ostentation, doing something, uh, yani not sincerely for the sake of Allah, doing something to be seen by others. Then after this, also included in minor shirk, is shirk in alfaz, in expressions, the expressions that one uh, uses. Examples of this are someone's swearing by other than Allah. Al-Half bighayrillah. Swearing by other than Allah. These words of swearing by other than Allah, it is a type of shirk. It is minor shirk. 
unless the person who swears by other than Allah believes that that which they are swearing by is equal to Allah or is great like Allah. Someone saying, it is as Allah and you willed it to be. Yani it is according to Allah's will and your will. That is also shirk in expressions. If somebody says, I have no one to help or support me other than Allah and you, then this is also shirk because you have joined in your speech, you have joined that one with Allah. These things could even be major shirk depending on the condition of the speaker and his intention behind, behind such expressions. Major or minor shirk includes, as some of the scholars like Shaykh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, Rahimahullah, in his explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed, he said that minor shirk includes every act which leads to major shirk. And in any act that one does which leads to major shirk, then we call this minor shirk. The thing that leads to major shirk. But it's not in and of itself major shirk. He said that if whatever leads to major shirk, it is minor shirk. It is considered to be amongst the greatest of the major sins. And it is akbar al-kabair, minor shirk. It is the greatest of major sins. And this minor shirk can be divided into two divisions, the open or obvious shirk and the hidden or inconspicuous shirk. Yani the minor shirk, it is sometimes open and obvious and the person knows when they do it and sometimes it is hidden or inconspicuous and the person is not aware that they are doing it. As for the open shirk, al-jali, the open shirk in minor shirk, it is also divided into three types. Al-Qawli, Al-Fi'li, and Al-Qalbi. Al-Qawli, yani open, obvious, minor shirk in speech. It is the act of shirk manifested in one's speech or expressions, like we have mentioned yani in the statement of Ibn Qayyim. Examples of it include making an oath or swearing rather than Allah. Someone saying it is as Allah and you willed it to be. Referring to someone other than Allah by the title Qadi Al-Quda, Yani the judge of all judges, or such titles that could only belong to Allah alone. Ascribing worship to other than Allah by using a name such as Abdul Nabi, the slave, or worshipper of the Prophet, or Abdul Hussein, the slave or worshipper of Hussein. Such names are also open uh, minor shirk, shirk, yani al-qawli in speech. All of these things are considered to be a form of exaltation or glorification of other than Allah while Allah alone is the one who deserves to be exalted and glorified. The second type of the three types of open minor shirk is shirk al-fi'li. And an example of this, yani shirk in actions, minor shirk, it is at-tatayyur, or abstaining from doing something due to seeing a bird or animal or hearing a voice, considering that to be a bad omen. Yani when someone sees a bird fly in a certain direction or an animal or hears a voice, and they said that's a bad omen. And as a result of that, they don't do what they were getting ready to do. That which they saw and they took as a bad omen prevented them from doing something they were about to do. This tatayyur, it is minor shirk in actions. Obvious, open, minor shirk. Also included under this heading of al-fi'li shirk in actions is one's going to a soothsayer believing him and seeking his help to uncover a thief or, or a criminal. And equal to this is, the one, is one's going to the fortune tellers, stargazers, or other types of magicians. The third type of obvious open shirk is al-qalbi, yani that which is in the heart, and it is al-riyah. 
doing something for worldly gain. And if the person in their heart, they are seeking some worldly gain or fame or praise of the people, and they are aware of what they are doing, then giving the appearance, the appearance that it is for the pleasure of Allah and the reward of the next life, while within there is no sincere intention of doing such an act purely for the sake of Allah. This riyah, it is minor shirk. It is shirk in the heart, al-qalbi. The second type of minor shirk, the first of them, it is al-jali, open shirk, and the second of them is al-khafi, hidden or inconspicuous shirk. And it is when a person says or does something at a time when he is unaware of the fact that he is committing an act of shirk. It is khafi, because the person, when they are doing it or when they are saying it, they are not conscious that this is an act of shirk. This category of shirk is sometimes treated as a separate and independent type of shirk, after major shirk and minor shirk. And some of the scholars said that it can be included in both major or minor shirk depending on what the person has said or done. Even though it is inconspicuous, it could be major shirk and it could be minor shirk. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, الشرك في هذه الأمة أخفى من دبيب النملة. That shirk, يعني he's talking about Shirk al-Khafi, inconspicuous shirk, is reported in the Sahih ibn Hibban that the Prophet said that this inconspicuous shirk in the Muslim Ummah is more inconspicuous than the creeping of an ant. And in some narrations he said a black ant in the darkness of the night on a black stone. And this inconspicuous shirk is expiated. It is removed. It is excused by saying three times in the morning, O oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from associating anything with you. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika and ushrika bika. Knowingly, wa ana a'lam. Wa astaghfiruka lima la a'lam. And I seek your forgiveness for that sin which I commit unknowingly. Yani that a person seeks refuge in Allah, from associating anything with him knowingly, yani that one should commit shirk while one knows, and seeking the forgiveness of Allah for that which one does unknowingly, the inconspicuous shirk. The Prophet ﷺ said that a person who supplicates saying these words three times, that it will be an expiation for the inconspicuous shirk. Included in this category of shirk is someone being inwardly dissatisfied with the inevitable condition that has been decreed for him by Allah, conscientiously regretting that had you done or not done such and such, or had you approached such and such, you would have been in a better status or better position. The Prophet ﷺ, he said concerning this, that al-mu'min al-qawi khairun wa ahabu ila Allah min al-mu'min al-da'if wa fi kullin khair. He said that the strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than the weak believer, and there is good in everyone, and in each of them, in each of the believers, whether strong or weak, he said, but a person should strive for that which gives you benefit, and benefit in the next life, and seek help from Allah, and do not lose heart, and if anything in the form of trouble, or calamity, or affliction comes to you, don't say, if I had not done that, it would not have happened, and such and such, or so and so would not have happened, but say, قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ وَمَا شَافَعَلُ But say, Allah has ordained it, and whatever He wills, it is done. For indeed, if, the word saying, if, لَوْ فَعَلْتُ كَذَا وَكَذَا 
يعني this word opens the door for the amal of the shaitan. Here in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that if anything happens to someone, something calamity befalls someone, he should not say, لو أني فعلت كان كذا وكذا. If I had done this, it would have been different. It would have happened such and such and so and so. Because Allah has decreed it. So when any calamity befalls someone, the Prophet ﷺ said that you should say, قدر الله that Allah is the one who has decreed it and whatever Allah has decreed it is his will we should not be dissatisfied with whatever has befallen us once it has happened Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma he explained this shirk as follows it is when a man says to his companion it is as Allah and you willed it to be meaning minor shirk in speech or like the saying if it wasn't for Allah and so and so this would not have happened. The correct thing to say in such a case is if it were not for Allah and then so and so. And if it were not for Allah and then the action of one who Allah has decreed to help you. Or it is as Allah willed and then you willed. And it is better to say it is as Allah willed alone. Is that from here? From this message? Similarly, it is incorrect to say, I have put my trust in Allah and you. Okay, stop for the adhan, inshallah. There's just a few points remaining after the adhan. If there are any questions, we'll take them after. Uh, can, uh, we'll just complete the final point and then you take the first question, inshallah. Uh, similarly, it is incorrect to say, I have put my trust in Allah and you. And you. This is incorrect because use of the conjunction in 
indicates equality between Allah and the person mentioned, and that would be a form of shirk. As for the use of the word then, it indicates the order of things, that is, that Allah is the first cause and foremost, and then there are other secondary considerations. Finally, let it be known that every type of minor shirk could potentially be transformed into major shirk. That happens when the act of minor shirk is accompanied uh, by the belief in the heart that something or someone other than Allah deserves to be exalted and glorified in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is exalted and glorified. Uh, we can stop here and take a few questions or perhaps let me take one question since the brother wants to ask a question we'll take one question and then look at the questions from the handout and any other questions of clarification how there what is the meaning of lawful and unlawful the meaning yani, ah, the meaning of lawful is halal and the meaning of unlawful is haram. Yani that the people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made something haram. And then the rulers or the leaders or the monks or the religious people, Allah has made it haram and they say it's halal. And then the people accept it as being halal, even though Allah has made it haram. Or the opposite. This was the shirk of the Christians and Jews in that area. That was mentioned in the hadith. However, there's other shirk that they have committed likewise. Uh, now, let, let's look at the questions from the handout quickly, at least, so that at least they will have been, been addressed, and then take whatever questions in the remaining time until the any, 10 minutes at least. Uh, the first question, how many nawaqid? has the author, rahimahullah, mentioned in this essay. He has mentioned ten. In this essay, he has mentioned ten, and we have taken today the first of them. What is the first naqid, and why has the author mentioned it first? The first of them is shirk, making partners with Allah, and he has mentioned it first because it is the most severe, and the most dangerous, and the one that destroys everything. Define a shirk and mention its two primary divisions or types. And a shirk has many definitions from amongst those definitions. The simplest of them is setting up something as an equal or a partner with Allah in that which is his exclusive right. Whether it is in rububiyah or ubudiyah or even in asma wa sifat, whoever offers to other than Allah something that is the exclusive right of Allah alone, if it's worship or other than worship, then this is shirk. The two primary divisions of shirk are shirk akbar, major shirk, and shirk asghar, minor shirk. Define each of the two primary divisions of shirk, explaining the difference between them. The main definition, quickly, of shirk akbar, it is that which takes a person out of Islam. It nullifies the Islam. It destroys their deeds. And if they don't repent from it before dying, they will be in the hellfire eternity. As for shirk asghar, minor shirk, it is that which has been identified or labeled or called or referred to as shirk in the Qur'an or Sunnah. However, it is not of those things that takes a person out of Islam. And it is not of those things that a person would be destined to the hellfire eternally if they didn't repent from it. 
And as Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'adi said, he said, minor shirk, it includes everything that leads to major shirk. Uh, discussed the comments of Al-Imam al-Qurtubi concerning shirk, shirk Akbar. The, the essence of his uh, discussion, Al-Imam al-Qurtubi, rahimahullah, is that he is saying that the major shirk, it is that which is related to the divinity of Allah. That somebody claims or believes that there is something or someone that is divine along with Allah. And then he said, there is another type of shirk. It is the shirk of those who don't claim divinity for that thing or that one, but they believe that that one, it has the independent ability to act and do things, independent of Allah, even if they don't claim it to be a God besides Allah. Mention the two types of shirk in uluhiyya, divinity with examples. And the two types are the negation of divinity for Allah and affirmation of divinity for other than Allah while, while not negating divinity to Allah. The first of them, ta'atil or nafi, it means that it is the negation or the denial of Allah's divinity, affirming it for other than Allah, like the shirk of Fir'aun. He claimed that he was divine and he didn't even accept divinity for Allah. The second type, it is not negating divinity for Allah, but sharing that divinity with other than Allah. And that the clearest example of that is the shirk of the Christians in claiming divinity for Isa salam along with Allah. Mention the four primary types of shirk in ubudiyah. The four primary types of shirk in worship. He said that they are mahabba, love, and niya, intentions, fa'a, obedience, and dua, supplication. Give a definition for shirk asghar, mentioning, mentioning its two primary divisions or types. We said the shirk asghar is that which doesn't take a person out of Islam, and it doesn't to totally nullify the tawheed, and it includes everything that leads to major shirk. And its two primary divisions are jali and khafi. Jali is open, obvious shirk, and khafi is that hidden or inconspicuous shirk. Mention the three types of shirk jali, open or obvious shirk. They are qawli in speech, fairly in action, and qalbi in the heart. Mention the dua or supplication taught by the Prophet ﷺ for protection from shirk al-khafi. He said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika and ushrika bika wa ana a'lamu wa astaghfiruka lima la a'lamu. And this supplication has been mentioned besides the mention of that one in the Sahih ibn Hibban and other books with slight difference in the wording. Mentioning some of the acts of shirk that are common among the Muslims today. Now, praying to the people who have died in the graves, circumambulating, going around the graves, sacrificing to the graves, supplicating to other than Allah. Talisman. Now, there is no end to them. In any case, this is a summary of the questions. Uh, if there are any, any questions from the brothers or sisters, inshallah, we can look at them quickly for the next five minutes or so. Uh, Amjad, he had a question first. Take the sister's question. Please. Okay. This is just reminding us that there is a handout concerning the virtues of the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah. And today is the 21st or 22nd, ah, 23rd? 
of Dhul Qa'dah. So that means after one week, the month of Dhul Hijjah will begin, and that handout explains the virtues of worship in those days and acts of obedience in those days. And whoever didn't get a copy of it should take a copy and read it and tell other people about it so that we can give the reward of acts of worship in the first ten days of Dhul Hijjah. Now, question? Now, what is the ruling concerning those in authority who know that something which is haram is being practiced and they don't say anything against it? Well, the ruling concerning this, as Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen has mentioned and other scholars, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Ibrahim, Rahimahumullah, the previous mufti before Sheikh Abdulaziz ibn Ibaz, have discussed this issue in detail. And the main point, the essence of this discussion in brief, and we need to discuss it not in uh, one minute or two minutes, but it requires a series of lectures. Uh, the main uh, point here is that there is a difference between those who are in authority, who establish in their land that which is contrary to the law of Allah. There is a difference between those who do so while knowing that it is contrary to the law and those who don't know. There is a difference. And there is a difference between those who do so knowingly out of fear or for some other worldly reason while admitting and acknowledging that the law that they are implementing is not equal to the law of Allah and that the law of Allah has more right to be implemented and those who believe that that law which they have implemented whether it's in reference to banking or whatever that believing that it is equal to the law of Allah or it is superior to the law of Allah or that it is permissible to rule by that contrary to the law of Allah the last category the scholars of the people of Sunnah said that this is kufr yani the one who knows the law of Allah and rules by other than that law knowingly willingly believing that it is superior to the law of Allah or equal to the law of Allah or even it's not equal, but it's permissible to rule by other than the law of Allah. All of that is kufr. As for those who do it, believing that the law of Allah is superior, and that it is sinful to rule by other than the law of Allah, or unknowingly, then it is not kufr. It is sin. Or disobedience, or corruption, or wrongdoing. And it requires a lengthy explanation. Now, of course it comes under this, but there is a difference between those as uh, was mentioned in the Sharh, there is a difference between those who declare something or who act upon something as being unlawful, which Allah has made lawful, or they consider something uh, as lawful which Allah has made unlawful. There is a difference between those who do so, believing in their heart that what they are doing is sinful, admitting that this is wrong, and those who believe that it is right. Those who believe it, believe that it is sinful, then they are like any other sinner. Every person, every Muslim who steals, he knows that stealing is haram. But he, when he knows that it is haram and he admits that it is haram, it is sinful. But if he believes that his action, which is haram, he believes that it is halal in his heart, even though Allah has made it haram. He knows that Allah has made it haram, but he rejects Allah's ruling and believes that it is lawful to do so, that is kufr. And that's what we mentioned in the introductory lecture concerning the difference between those who do an act 
which is kufr or shirk, believing that it is lawful, and those who do it believing that it is wrong. There is a difference between them. Any other question from the brothers? Okay. Now, very concerned. That's enough because there's no time to answer any more questions. That's it. Uh, this is actually a long question that requires uh, another lecture. Um, how can, what is uh, the situation of those people? How can they avoid major shirk, especially in Ta'a, when they are living in the land of the disbelievers? First of all, whoever is living in the land of the disbelievers, they should get out of the land of the disbelievers. And if they have no way to get out, then Allah excuses those who are unable. Allah doesn't hold responsible a person doing something which they have no uh, way to escape from. If they can't get out of that land and they are forced to obey those people, as long as in their heart they are not pleased with that, then they will not be blamed. No person is blamed for doing that which they are compelled to do. The Prophet ﷺ said that my ummah has been excused for that which they, they did, and he mistakenly or forgetfully, or that which they did out of compulsion. Therefore, they're excused from it. Otherwise, the people should try to get out of that situation where they are forced to do and act in disobedience to Allah. Last question. Now, Compulsion means that the person... Compulsion means that the person is forced to do something by an authority who has the ability to harm them and to punish them, to cause harm to them, to punish them. Uh, of course, it has to be weighed. The thing that they are being forced to do, is it a major sin? Or is it shirk that takes a person out of Islam? Or is it a minor sin? And it also has to be weighed, considering what is the punishment? Will they be punished by losing their job? Or they will be punished by being imprisoned? Or they will be punished by being killed? Yani both sides have to be weighed. What are they being ordered to do? And what are they being threatened with punishment? If what they are being ordered to do, it is kufr, then that has a greater weight. However, even if they were ordered to kufr, as in the time of the Prophet ﷺ, Ammar ibn Yasir radiallahu anhumah, when he was forced to deny Islam and to confess to the uh, worship of the mushrikeen, the, of the shirk of the idols, and he did so, he said it, he was compelled to do it at the point of death. That was shirk that takes a person out of Islam. However, he did it out of compulsion. And therefore the Prophet ﷺ asked him, were you satisfied, were you pleased in your heart with what you said? He said, no. He said, then there is no blame on you. So it has to be weighed. Anyway, it is a fine point, and compulsion in general means that the person is compelled to do it to the extent that they feel if they don't do it, it will be a, and he cause major harm to them. And if they would be killed, or their limbs would be cut, or something major would be done to them. Not just that they might lose their job and they can find another job or people won't like them anymore if they don't do it, or something like this. It should be, yani, if the thing that they are being ordered to do is something major, disobedience to Allah, then they should refuse to do it, unless the threat is threat of death or something like this, and Allah knows best. Yani, perhaps this discussion can go on you know, at another time in more detail with uh, some of the fatawa of the ulama. There's a number of fatawa that have been given concerning such issues. Perhaps we can look at them at another time, inshaAllah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. 
أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك